0: It was around 4 p.m. on February 23rd, 2017. Harris County bail bondsman Michael Kubash was standing behind his desk in his office at 1701 Lubbock Street in downtown Houston. He was meeting with a man he had never met before. He didn't normally meet with clients his company bailed out, but this one had specifically requested a meeting with him. Earlier that morning, a member of his staff had called saying that they had just bonded out a doctor and that he wanted to meet with Michael immediately. The doctor, 39-year-old Leon Jacob, had been arrested and charged with stalking. Michael's company had paid the $15,000 bond. And now, here Leon Jacob was, sitting in Michael's office, telling him that he wanted something from him.
1: He walked through the door. He shut the door behind him, which made me feel a little odd. I don't normally have people do that. I don't, I don't ever recall anyone ever doing that. And he shut the door. And I stood up behind my desk, and he said, uh, I'm Dr. Leon Jacob. And I told him, I'm Michael Kubosh. He said, I'm here to uh, all I want is one, one thing from you. I want Zach's number. At this point, did you have any idea who he was talking about? No, I, I didn't have any idea who Zach was.
2: And uh, did he did he give you any descriptions of this person
1: to maybe jog your memory to see if you
2: could recall who he's talking about?
1: Well, he, he seemed to know that I knew who Zach was. He said that he was Middle Eastern, that he was prior military and that he had worked for the CIA and that I knew who he was. And I told him I, I, I can't think of anybody with the name of Zach that fits that description.
0: Leon was very aggressive. The two men sat down and within a span of minutes, Leon told him that he knew martial arts, that he was a heart doctor, and that he had done heart surgeries in Guantanamo Bay before. Michael listened as Leon spoke, trying to size him up. Why did he shut the door, he was thinking, and who was Zach? Michael told Leon that he didn't know who Zach was, but Leon insisted, you know him. Leon gave him the phone number he said this man named Zach had used before, and Michael typed it into his computer. He was surprised to see that someone with that number had indeed connected to his phone the month before, but he still couldn't recall who he was.
1: Did he ever mention to you the reason why he was so insistent on finding Zach? He told me he paid this man a lot of of money, Zach, a lot of money to take care of this matter. And I I, I said, well, what, what matter? He said, well, she can't be testifying against me, and, and uh, she'll be an embarrassment to, to me and my family. And my mother's a, a lawyer here in town, well-known lawyer, and this would be a great embarrassment. And I, w- w- she needs to go back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I said, well, sir, uh, who, who are you talking about? And so I got on the computer, and I pulled up the, the, the charging instrument on the stalking charge, and I said, are you, are you talking about Megan Veracoste? And he said, yes. And I said, well, sir, you you can't have any contact with her and you can't have any contact with her through anyone else.
0: He said he was shocked at what Leon was trying
1: to do.
2: Were you ever alarmed at the, at the, the phrasing of things or, or the way that he said things about his problem with Mayor?
1: Yes, in fact, I, I said well, I asked him, "Why are you talking to me like this?" I said, "You know, I'm a, I'm not just a bondsman. I'm a city council member. I've taken an oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution and the people of the city. Why, why are you talking to me like this?"
2: Uh, did you have any idea? Or did he ever tell you the reason he felt comfortable telling you about? Getting rid of a witness in a stalking
1: case? He, he, he said that he, all, all he was so so focused on was getting Zach's number. He paid him a lot of money. And he wanted this this witness, which I learned to be Megan Veracost, to not testify against him on these cases. Because it would also hurt his medical license.
0: Thankfully, someone from Michael's staff knocked on the door just then and announced that Michael had to leave for a scheduled meeting. Michael was glad for a reason to get out of there because he was feeling very uncomfortable. He felt like he had just learned about something very bad.
1: i be honest with you, I felt like I was talking to the devil himself when he was talking to me. It's just so, it's so, he was so aggressive. He wanted Zach's number, he knew I had it, and, and he wasn't gonna leave without Zach's number. So all I could tell him was the number did pull up in my computer that I had contact with somebody. And if I, if I find out who it is, I'll get back with you. And, and so our conversation ended. I left with John Gibbs and I got in the car.
0: As soon as he got into his car, he called the assistant chief of police and told him what had just happened, not knowing that what he had just stumbled upon was a plot to kill. This is Jillian, and you are listening to Court Junkie, episode 95. If you like this show, then you have got to check out The Adam Carolla Show every weekday on Podcast One. The Ace Man still holds the Guinness Book of World Records title for the most downloaded podcast in the world, as he complains about whatever's on his mind with his celebrity pals. So don't miss it weekdays on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Leon Jacob met Megan Varicus in Pittsburgh back in 2014. He was a long-term guest at a hotel where Megan worked, and she would often see him in his hospital scrubs, walking through the lobby and eating in the restaurants. He told her he had been working as a surgeon at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Megan was married at the time but the two would soon start dating anyway, which she would later admit was a catalyst for the demise of her marriage. After her divorce, Leon asked Megan to move to Texas with him. He promised her a better life, saying that his family was there and that he would be a doctor there instead. Megan agreed to move with him, and they got an apartment in West University in Houston. Megan became the director of sales for some Marriott properties, But a little over a year later, she transferred to another position at the Holiday Inn. Meanwhile, Leon was working sporadically at a cookware company owned by a family friend while he waited for his medical license. It was a Thursday night in January 2017 when Megan and Leon got into a bad fight. She went to the police and charges were filed against him for assault against a family member the family member being her, S's girlfriend. Megan went to stay with Leon's brother Adam and his wife Leslie for two days. Leon continued to contact her.
3: Calling, emailing, texting, texting Leslie, texting Adam, showing up at the house.
4: And are you responding to him?
3: At that point, I may still have been responding.
4: What, what kinds of things were you saying to him?
3: Please leave me alone. I don't want to be with you. Um, Don't call
4: me. In your mind, were y'all broken up? Yes. And in your mind, were you final? Yes.
0: Despite his efforts, Megan was done with the relationship. The breakup was a long time coming. But this, this was the final straw for her. While she was staying with Adam and Leslie, Leon showed up to the home. The first time, he left a bag of her clothes with flowers and a card. The second time, he knocked on the door, wanting to speak with her. She hid inside a closet while Leslie let him inside. She could hear him screaming and yelling, saying, I know that bitch is here. He finally left after Leslie asked him to leave because her daughter was sleeping. Megan went to stay unregistered at the hotel where she worked. She filed to get an emergency protection order against Leon, and he was instructed to not have any contact with her. But Leon was still calling, still texting, and still emailing. He even called the front desk at her work and showed up there unannounced, asking to see her. And when she refused to come out of her office, he had other people come in and call. Here's Megan describing seeing him outside of her workplace.
3: He was standing there on a cell phone in a green shirt. And then as we walk out, me and my coworker uh, walked out, he um, said that he wanted to talk to me. But he was standing there um, just staring at the entrance of my workplace. Is this before or after he's been told, don't come here? It's definitely been after.
4: And is this before or after the Magistrate's Order of Emergency Protection has been issued by a court?
3: I believe this is before.
4: Did you take extra precautions based on that behavior as far as your comings and goings with your work? Yes. Um, Some days it
3: took me multiple hours to get home um, because I felt like I was being followed. Um, I had my vehicle checked um, for devices that could be tracked. I had my employees park my car in a different location um, because I didn't want my vehicle to be seen.
4: Why did you take all these steps?
0: Because he wouldn't leave me alone. She changed her phone number, but he would still email her personal and work emails. They would be friendly one minute and angry the next. He was still sending other people to contact her too. One time, he followed her when she left work.
3: Um, I pulled out of the garage onto P Street, and his vehicle was immediately behind me. Um, at that point, I called 911 to let them know um, that, you know, my ex-boyfriend who assaulted me was um, in a car behind me, and I stayed on the phone with the police, um, just hysterical. Um, and then, at some point, uh, Leon had gotten out of his vehicle in front of mine. I'm um, just yelling and waving his hands, saying, "You know, just talk to me. Just talk to me. I need to talk to you."
4: And did you talk to him?
3: No, I continued to drive around him. Um, eventually, I pulled in front of the Travis Street Police Station.
0: Megan went back to court and got a two-year extension on her restraining order. Stalking charges were then also filed against him. Charges that Leon was mortified about. But Leon wasn't about to let Megan's stalking allegations affect his career and his life. He had a plan. After Michael Kubosh, the bail bondsman, called the police and alerted them about Leon's strange visit, investigators decided to try and track down the man Leon had been looking for, the man who was supposed to take care of Leon's problem, Zach. What they found was an ex-military veteran who said he had been in contact with Leon and that sure enough, Leon was looking to have something done to Megan. Zach, whose real name was Motaz Aziz, told investigators that he first met up with Leon in the beginning of February
5: 2017. He told me that um, basically uh, that he uh, his ex has an assault case on him and that is it's destroying his life and that he wants me to actually um, kidnap her uh, basically to convince her that uh, that, that to, to drop it and as long as he can talk to her, um, because she loves him and he loves her, she would actually change her mind. So he wants to be there at the, you know, where, where I kidnap her. And if it, if it doesn't work, um, he actually wanted me to um, make her disappear, and, uh, you know, in a way.
2: And what did you, when he said make her disappear,
5: what did you take that to mean? Oh, uh, basically he wanted her gone, like that, you know. Um, that was your impression of what he wanted for yes. her?
0: Zach told investigators that Leon gave him $2,500 right then and there at the first meeting. He wanted Megan to be kidnapped and forced out of town before she could testify against him at trial. But although Zach agreed to do it, and although Zach continued accepting money as payment for the job, Zach never did it. He told the investigators that in fact, he never had any intentions of doing it. He was just stringing Leon along before ceasing contact with him. And so investigators decided to take on the case, and they would pick up right where Zach left off. The plan was to have Zach introduce Leon as one of their undercover agents, Officer Javier Duran. Zach would tell Leon that he could no longer do it, but that Duran, another hitman, could. Leon appeared to fall for it. The first meeting between Leon, Zach, and Officer Duran was on March 8th, 2017, and took place at an olive garden. As they were parking their car, Leon met them outside in the parking lot. He then walked them inside to his table. Unbeknownst to Leon, Officer Duran was wearing a wire, and there were additional officers seated at various tables in the restaurant, listening in on what was being said. Leon told them that he and Megan had been together for about two and a half years and then they had a fight and she took off. He said she took money from him and then told cops that he hit her. He said he never hit her once, never touched her. He told them that he had hired a high-powered attorney and that it was costing him a lot of money. Leon's plan involved three options. Option A He wanted her to agree to go to Pittsburgh and never come back. Option B would be to plant drugs in her car so that her credibility was ruined. Option C, he said, was for Officer Duran to kidnap her, put her in a room, and tell her that if she doesn't leave, he's going to kill her parents. If she doesn't listen, he said he would prefer for them not to hurt her, but that if they have to, then he wants to be the one to do it. Leon then said he could inject her with potassium chloride, which he said would stop her heart and be untraceable. Duran said, it's your decision. It's up to you. Leon said his concern with the last option, option C, was that it would get back to him. I'd prefer it not to happen, but if she doesn't listen, we're going to have to go that route, he said. But before that, He said he wanted emails sent to his account from hers saying, Leon, I love you, I miss you. He wouldn't open them, but would have his lawyer open them so that it looks more genuine. Then Leon started to complain about somebody else. Somebody else who was also not only inconvenient to him, but to his new girlfriend as well. Somebody else who was a problem he wanted taken care of. Investigators almost couldn't believe it. There was another potential victim and another potential perpetrator. After Leon's breakup with Megan, he started dating a woman named Valerie McDaniel. Valerie was a prominent veterinarian in the Houston area, and her relationship with Leon first seemed like a perfect match. She was newly single too, having just ended a 17-year marriage to her now ex-husband, Mac McDaniel. And while Leon was still struggling with his issues with Megan, Valerie was going through a contentious custody battle with Mac over their young daughter. Things were so bad, in fact, that when Leon went to meet with Zach and Officer Duran, the undercover officer posing as a hitman, Valerie went too. And Leon said Valerie had her own request of the supposed hitman. Leon and Zach went outside so Valerie could discuss it with Officer Duran. According to testimony Officer Duran would later give in court, Valerie told him she wanted Mac to leave her alone. She said he was trying to take her daughter away and that she wants it to stop. She asked, if something were to happen to him, would it be a car wreck or... Officer Duran told her it could be a car wreck, it could be a robbery gone wrong, a staged burglary in his house on a day her daughter wouldn't be there, or perhaps a carjacking. He told her, once we agree, there's no going back. He told her it would be a minimum of $10,000 if they agreed to do it. She replied that she wouldn't be able to pay that all at once, and he agreed that payments would be okay. I don't want to get in trouble, though, she said. If you get in trouble, I get in trouble, Officer Duran responded. Nobody's going to get into trouble. This is what we do. This is what we've done before. When Leon and Zach returned to the table, Officer Duran told Leon, she's decided she wants her ex to be gone, so there will be a charge of $10,000. He said it's going to be a carjacking and that he's going to shoot him in the head. He then asked when he could expect the first payment, and Leon said he could give him $2,500 a week for four weeks. That's probably the best and the easiest, Leon said. So with the agreed-upon price, investigators decided to up the stakes and take the operation even further. The next day, they met with Megan Varicus and Mac McDaniel, the two targets of Leon and Valerie. Both had been briefed on their ex's plans, as well as the undercover operation. But investigators were about to ask them to do something else to help move the investigation along. They were asked to stage photos for Mac to pretend as though he was dead, and for Megan to pretend as though she was kidnapped. They had Mac lie flat on the ground, fake blood on his head, as though he had been shot. Investigators then strapped Megan into a chair, zip-tied her hands and feet, and placed duct tape over her mouth. Later that night, Officer Duran, still posing as the hitman, then met up with Leon and Valerie at Valerie's condo and told them that Mac was dead.
6: I'm going to come out just right and tell you guys uh the male subjects I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. He's he's gone. He's done. He's done. Uh, yeah, he's uh yeah, he he was he was a little bit of a problem, but not too much. Um I'll tell you what man. <laughs> Do
0: you want to hear more. Leon simply said, "All right." He asked Valerie if she wanted to hear more, and she said no. She then excused herself and went into another room. A few hours after that, investigators went to Valerie's condo to give her the death notification, letting her know that her ex-husband had been tragically murdered. Valerie sat down upon hearing the news and put her head in her hands. Leon came out of one of the bedrooms, and when investigators filled him in, he immediately said they had been home all day. As Leon was comforting Valerie, who still had her head in her hands, Sergeant Quinn told him they were being arrested.
6: no, yeah, okay. so, in the mm-hmm. yeah, what? I why I, no I mean yeah. no, okay, okay, okay. you yes, I, do. I don't know why, I mean, I, I don't know why okay, just
0: While Leon was taken into custody, Valerie was allowed to wake her sleeping daughter and take her out into the hallway where her very much alive ex-husband, Mac McDaniel, was waiting. They silently exchanged custody of their daughter, and then Valerie went back inside to be placed into handcuffs. Both Leon and Valerie were charged with solicitation of capital murder, but only one of them would ever face their charges in a courtroom. Can you believe it's december already as much as i love the holiday season this month can be a bit stressful too i have quite a long list of things to do for the holidays as i'm sure many of you do too if life insurance is one of the things way down on your list policy genius might be able to help you cross it off they'll find you the right life insurance at the best price and do all the work to help get you covered Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy, they can also help you find the right home and in auto insurance or disability insurance. So if you need life insurance but aren't sure where to start, why not start at PolicyGenius.com? It only takes a few minutes to find the right life insurance policy, apply, and cross another thing off your to-do list. PolicyGenius, when it comes to life insurance, it's nice to get it right. On March 25th, 2017, just weeks after her arrest, Valerie McDaniel, who was out on bail awaiting trial, recorded a final audio diary that she had been keeping since her arrest. In her first recording, she said she wanted to tell her story, that she hates the idea that everybody thinks she's a monster. Over the next couple weeks, she continued to record herself talking into her iPad. She talked a lot about Leon, her boyfriend of only eight weeks at the time of their arrests. She said she fell deeply in love with him. I have two great loves in my life. I have my daughter. I have Leon, she said. At one point, she said she didn't wake up one day and just say, hey, I want to kill my ex-husband. She said she didn't really want to do it. She said she had told Leon how her ex-husband was causing her problems and that Zach, an acquaintance of his, said he could help, that he would try and get Mac to leave her alone. At the same time, she said Leon was trying to get Megan to move back to Pittsburgh. In her recording, she said the plan was for Zach to intimidate her ex, but that it was ineffective, and so things then escalated beyond her control. She said Zach told her that he would have to hurt him if he couldn't control him, and that it just progressed. It's terrible, she said. But she claimed she never wanted the father of her daughter killed, and claimed that the undercover officer was the one who pressured her. Quote, one thing I hope people know and that comes out. At one point, when I was talking to the officer, I said, can't you just talk to him and make him be nice to me? And he cut me off real quickly and said, no, 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 no. She said the undercover officer never gave her the chance to back down, and that she would have if he had. On her final recording, she said she's sorry for everything. She didn't want to hurt anyone, just herself. Okay, thank you for listening. Bye, she said. Two days later, 48-year-old Valerie McDaniel jumped out of her seventh-floor balcony. She didn't survive. Leon went to trial for two counts of solicitation of capital murder in March 2018. Going into it, like Valerie, Leon maintained his innocence, saying he's not some monster, that he's a healer by nature. Prosecutor Cameron Calligan disagreed.
2: Mac was going to die and Megan was going to die. And Leon Jacob was going to get to walk away because there was two obstacles to the defendant's new life with Valerie McDane. It was Mac and it was Megan. Mac could keep Valerie, Valerie away from him by making Valerie choose between the defendant and her daughter. And Megan could make him end up in prison. Those were his problems. He expected them to both be dead. And when he was arrested in the early morning hours of March 10th of last year, he believed they both were dead.
0: Leon's attorney said that wasn't true. He said Leon never wanted Megan killed and that he repeatedly said as much in the wiretap recordings. He said he didn't want her to be hurt. Instead, he said Leon simply wanted Zach, who he believed was a private investigator, To arrange a meeting between him and Megan, so he could talk to her, but he said Zach was a con man who stole money from Leon and then disappeared.
2: He conned Leon out of this money. He told him the story about how he's going to arrange a meeting at a hotel to have a sit-down conversation between Megan and Leon, but he never did any of that to actually make any of that happen. And as those efforts that Leon thought Zach was investigating for him to find Megan to put him back in contact he quickly realized that he needed to escalate this matter to make things more intense, to prove his own con further. You're gonna find out that it wasn't Leon who wanted any harm to come to Megan. But in fact, it was Zach who started up the idea of, we'll stage a car crash. You need her to get out of town? We'll stage a car crash, we'll crash into her. We can plant drugs in her car, get her arrested. We can solve your issue in a different way than reconciliation. Leon adamantly started at this point in time to repeat what he said. I want no harm to come to Megan. I don't want anything like that to happen.
0: As for the Houston police officers, he said they looked up Leon and Valerie and realized how prominent they were. This could be a case that makes their careers. He echoed what Valerie alleged in her recordings, that it was the undercover officer who came up with the plan to kill. As part of their case, prosecutors called a woman named Laura Thurlow to the stand. As you'll hear, Laura was actually the connection between Leon and Zach. Laura told the court that she met Leon through her uncle, who was good friends with Leon's parents. Her uncle worked at a civil law firm, and Laura worked there too, as a paralegal. Leon came into their office in early January 2017, wanting to speak with her uncle, He was concerned that he may have a criminal issue and wanted to see if charges had been filed against him. Laura's uncle asked her to help Leon since she had previously worked in criminal defense, and so she did. She looked on the Harris County website and told him she didn't see anything, but Leon wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted to go to the courthouse and check there, and so she agreed to go with him. They went to the clerk's office and looked it up. The results were the same. No criminal charges had yet been filed. They got back into his car and he told her about why he was concerned. He then drove them to a Holiday Inn downtown, where he said his ex-girlfriend worked.
4: Can you describe for the jury how he was acting during that time period?
7: Um, He was agitated, nervous. He was... Essentially trying to um, he was a little bit desperate wanting to get his girlfriend back. Apparently, he, he and his girlfriend had had some type of an argument. He had stated that well, let me stop you there.
4: okay. You said he seemed agitated. Mm. Did he want you to do something for him when you got to the holiday inn? Yes. What did he want you to do?
7: He wanted me to try to speak to his girlfriend and see if I could get her to come back to him. She agreed to do it.
0: She went inside and approached the front desk. She gave the man there her name and number and said she was looking for Megan on behalf of Leon Jacob. She said the man immediately knew who Leon was, but instead of asking him to have Megan call Leon, she told him to have Megan call her first. She told him that she thinks Megan should stay away from Leon due to his behavior in the car. After she left the Holiday Inn, they drove around a few times and then pulled into an area across the street to a parking lot. Leon asked her to look and see if Megan's car was there. She went into the parking garage while he walked around the outside, smoking a cigarette. She didn't find the car and told him that. He then got upset and wanted to go somewhere to talk to her further. They then went to a bar in Midtown. Leon had a couple mixed drinks while she drank a Diet Coke. At that point, he told her that he and Megan had gotten into an argument, and that she threw plates and was making a lot of noise. So he had put his hand over her mouth to keep her quiet from the neighbors. After he did that, he said Megan left. Laura said that while they were talking, Leon was also interested in her job and her prior
7: work for criminal defense attorneys. He questioned me as to what I used to do. He said, I know that you used to do criminal defense. And I explained to him that I did. And he said, well, I bet you know a bunch of people um, that handle, I mean, a bunch of people that have done a bunch of things and... And I said, "Oh, sure." And and we went into some of the cases that I had handled. And he said, "Do you know people in the cartel? Do you know people and that you know do this and that?" And I said, "Yeah." And and we were talking about that.
4: So he asked you if you knew people in the cartel. hmm What other kinds of people did he want to know if you knew?
7: Just basically any any type of the criminals that. We had represented in the past murderers, killers.
0: She said she was getting a little nervous as the questioning progressed. He said he wanted her to talk to Megan and see if she would get back together with him. If Megan refused, he wanted Laura to then ask her to please leave town. If she wouldn't do that either, he wanted her to grab Megan and put her in a car and take her to him or have somebody else do that. He then mentioned using a syringe.
7: I could give you a syringe that you could use and you on her, bring her to me and I'll take care of the rest.
4: So was it your belief that there were several options on the table at that point? Yes. And just so that we're clear, option A was to get her to go back with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Option B was to get her to leave town. Yes. And then option C was to either you kidnap her or find someone to kidnap her, and then y'all would inject her with something and that he would take care of the rest. Correct. So to you, did that mean he wanted to kill her?
7: At that point, I didn't feel like it was, because uh, I didn't know what the syringe was going to hold. But regardless, I knew that that was completely <laughs> not something I would ever even entertain or consider, obviously. Um but as the, as the conversation continued further, then it was, do you know somebody that can take care of her? Have her taken care of, I should say.
0: She said she was feeling really uncomfortable at that point, and so she told him she needed to use the bathroom. He got up and followed her and stood outside the door. She then asked him to take her back to work, and he told her, I talked to your uncle, you're mine for the night. When they got back to his car, they drove back around to the Holiday Inn where Megan worked and drove around there a few times. Laura lied and told him she had a family dinner she needed to be at and so he agreed to drive her home. She testified that she had him drop her off a few houses away. She didn't want him to know where she lived. It was around 7 p.m. at that point. He had originally come in at around 9.30 or 10 that morning. She had been with him all day. The next day, she went back to work. Leon came back in, again asking if criminal charges had been filed against him. He again told her how he had put his hand over Megan's mouth, but this time, he admitted that he may have busted her lip. Laura again left the office to go with him. This time, he was driving a Mercedes station wagon, He told her it was his friend Valerie's car.
4: During this time period when he shows up the second day, why don't you just say, look, I'm not going with you. If if you're scared of him, why don't you just say, you know what, buddy, I I can't go with you today, I've got to work.
7: Well, that's a downfall of mine. (laughs) That's one of my bad points uh, is not putting my foot down. Um, That and wanting to make sure that I'm, I guess, appeasing my uncle, making sure I'm not causing a problem with my job situation.
4: Did your uncle want you to help him?
7: Yes. They went back to the Holiday Inn
0: and drove around a few times. He pulled back to that parking area, and then he got out and looked around for Megan's vehicle. He seemed upset that it wasn't there. He then asked Laura to call one of Megan's coworkers, and so she did. She said he kept saying he needed Megan back.
7: The more um, we talk, the more it's I've got to get Megan back. I've got to get Megan back. You know, I love her. I I, I need Megan back in my life. I have to have her back in my life. Um, and then it would go again. Like I said, from that to, um if If I can't have Megan back in my life she needs she needs to leave the state. she needs to be gone she needs to go and then he would eventually revert to you gotta know somebody that can uh you know get her put her in the vehicle uh, I can give him a syringe, they can use the syringe on her, bring her to me, and I'll take care of the rest. Do you
4: have the impression during this time that this was just a lovesick guy who was missing his girlfriend, or did you feel like it was more serious than that?
7: At the time, I I thought he was an extremely lovesick guy that was very bound and determined to try to get his girlfriend back, but it was progressing to a much worse place.
0: Leon then drove her back to work later that day. She was asked why she never called the police, and she said she was upset that she had been placed into that position. She told her uncle what Leon said, but he was a family friend of Leon's parents, and so she never called the police. The following day, however, Leon came to her office again. She said she had made it clear to her uncle and coworkers that she didn't want to be disturbed by him. She could see him walking up and down the halls of the firm, peering into the windows of other staff members looking for her. One of the attorneys contacted security and Leon was told he could not come back to the office. At that point, she said her uncle was on board with keeping him away. When it was time for her to leave work for the day, however, she found out that Leon was still there. And so she asked security to escort her to her vehicle. As she was being escorted, Leon started to approach her, but the security officer told him he needed to leave or they would call the police. In the days that followed, Leon continued to email, call, and text her. She said she changed her cell phone number on two separate occasions, but he still found ways to contact her. At one point, she contacted her friend Kenneth. She asked him to please talk to Leon and tell him to leave her alone. The next time she and Kenneth were together, Leon called her cell phone and she had Kenneth answer. They had a conversation, but she said Leon continued to contact her. In early February, she reached out to Kenneth again, but she said this time his roommate Zach answered and told her that Kenneth had had a stroke and had passed away. They spoke for a while and Laura told him how Kenneth was going to try and get Leon to leave her alone. Zach told her that he would now take care of it for her. And so the connection between Leon and Zach was made. The prosecution called Zach to the stand to testify about his involvement in the plot. He told the court that his real name was Motaz Aziz, but that he went by the alias of Zach. He was 32 years old and was a veteran of the United States Army. In 2003, he had been deployed to Iraq, but was wounded when an IED hit the vehicle he was in. He was medically discharged in 2006, and then went to the University of Houston to get a degree in software engineering. In January 2017, he said his best friend and roommate, a man named Kenneth, had a stroke and passed away. He had all of Kenneth's stuff, including his cell phone. And one day in early February, Kenneth's friend Laura called on it. He answered and broke the news of Kenneth's death to her. They spoke for a while and Laura told him about what was going on with Leon. He testified that he then called Leon from an app that masks his number. They talked for a bit and agreed to meet up at a restaurant. Zach said he told Leon to bring $2,500 with him if he was serious about needing help with Megan. At the meeting, Leon told him that he wanted Zach to kidnap Megan to convince her to drop the charges against him. If this didn't work, he said he wanted Zach to make her disappear, which Zach said he took to mean kill her. He said Leon had brought the $2,500 with him and gave it to him. But when the meeting ended, Zach said he had no intentions of doing anything other than protecting Megan. He testified that he set up an email account and that he and Leon would communicate by logging in and writing emails as a draft. This way, there would be no record of anything being sent. As for why he didn't just call the police, he said he thought it would be his word against Leon's and he didn't know if they would go talk to Leon, which would alert him. He said at the time, he was also on probation for a possession of stolen property conviction. He and Leon met up a second time. He said he told Leon that he and his team would kidnap Megan and take her to a hotel. He testified that none of that was ever going to happen. He just wanted to get through the court date. He was hoping that Megan would testify and it would be over. And then Leon would back off from killing her. One day, he said he called Leon and told him that he had kidnapped Megan and told him to come to a hotel. When Leon arrived, he told him it was all done, that he had convinced Megan to leave town and not to show up at court. But he said he had in fact not kidnapped Megan and he had never even talked to her before. After the court date, he and Leon spoke again. Megan had obviously shown up and Leon was upset. But he said Leon had heard through his attorney that Megan was going to leave town, but had changed her mind. He described this as pure luck that Leon's attorney had said that because it made his story more credible. He testified that Leon paid him in small amounts at different times, but he insisted that he was not concerned with money.
2: Aside from the conversations about her being kidnapped, did he ever say to you during the course of this relationship, these, these several times that you either met in person or talked on the phone, did he ever say anything specific to you about what he wanted done with her?
5: Yes, he actually wanted her. Um, he, he, he wanted to uh, basically uh, meet with her, talk to her, because she's going to be convinced. But if she's not, he wanted her gone, like dead gone. And uh, um, I tried to... Convince him that uh, you know to keep him away to see if he's actually going to push toward uh, the, you know the 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 death thing and he actually pushed he kept on going with it even though I was giving him options even though I wasn't acting on it but I just wanted to see how far he would go he kept on pushing toward the death um, and uh, like he wanted it to end if it's not if she's not going to take him back or drop the case so he
2: was he was clear to you that if things weren't going his way he wanted her gone as in dead gone yes.
0: After Leon was arrested on the stalking charge, he said he gave him the name of Michael Kubosh as a bail bondsman he had used before. After that, he said he was contacted by investigators after Michael Kubosh had contacted them. On cross-examination, Zach admitted that Leon had paid him more than $9,000 and had also given him two Cartier watches and a diamond ring. He also admitted that he had no proof of any of his conversations with Leon, that he had used messaging apps that deleted messages right away. Officer Javier Duran testified about the undercover operation. He said he and his team, managed by Sergeant Quinn, instructed Zach to help him gain Leon's trust and make his undercover role believable. Officer Duran told the court that his role was of a military veteran who is now working as a hitman. Initially, the team only knew about Leon's interest in doing something about Megan, but they soon found out about the plot against Mac McDaniel too. He said they recorded about 12 phone calls with Leon and had a few in-person meetings as well. He told the jury that they were in investigation mode meaning they were feeling it out and weren't hell-bent on making a case. He said that, in fact, about half the time they do these sorts of operations, they decide not to continue. Sometimes they'll decide there's not enough evidence, or sometimes the suspect will back out and decide they really don't want the person killed after all. The recordings of the meetings and phone calls were played for the jury while Officer Duran was on the stand. Every once in a while, the prosecutor would pause the recording and then Officer Duran would provide the context of what was said. In the first meeting at Olive Garden, when Zach first introduces Leon to Officer Duran, who is posing as Adam, the hitman, Leon says, I don't want her to be hurt. Officer Duran testified that he didn't think Leon was comfortable with them just yet. So he suggested that the two of them step outside. He figured that Leon might feel more open to talk freely, away from others. When they go outside, Leon immediately asks if Officer Duran is an undercover cop. Officer Duran responds by saying he would ask him the same thing, but that he trusts Zach. He then asks Leon what he needs done. Leon responds that he needs some emails sent out from Megan's account to his. Emails declaring her love for him and that he wants her to leave. Officer Duran says he's not clear about what Leon means by that and tells him that he's hurt people in the past. Leon tells him that he has too, and that in fact, he has worked with the government at Guantanamo Bay to keep inmates alive so they could be questioned. It was then when Leon gave three options as for what he wanted done with Megan. Get her to go to Pittsburgh and never come back, plant some drugs in her car to hurt her credibility, or kidnap her, and if she has to be hurt, he'd be okay with it. Officer Duran tells him that with the drug scenario, he would have to talk to Zach because it's a little different than what they're used to doing. Leon responds, I know what you do. He asks how soon Officer Duran can take care of it. And Officer Duran says as soon as the right opportunity opens up. Later in the conversation, Leon again brings up the second option and asks, can't you just plant drugs in her car and get her arrested? Officer Duran tells him there's some risk in doing that. Leon then goes back to the kidnapping scenario, to which Zach responds, what if she doesn't listen? If you have to do it, then we do it, Leon says but I want to fucking do it.
6: And what did you take that to mean? That if we have to kill her, he wants to be the one to kill her.
0: In the recording, Leon then says they can inject her with potassium chloride. Okay.
4: He gives you now another option, is that right? Yes, ma'am. He talks to you about injecting her with potassium chloride, right? Yes. Did he say, uh, inject her with potassium chloride, stop her heart, untraceable?
6: Yes, ma'am, he did. Okay,
4: and what do you say to that? You say it's up to you? It's your decision. Okay, why don't you say, yeah, that's a great idea.
6: I didn't say that because I wanted to give him kind of a chance to talk a little bit more.
0: Officer Duran then asks Leon if he has access to potassium chloride. I have access to it, yeah, Leon says. He says he'd prefer not to do that, but then says, my survival is more important. He says he's concerned about his medical license and the effect the felonies will have on it. He wants Megan to disappear so she can't testify. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen, he says.
2: So
4: at this point, are you on the hook thinking this is a solicitation for capital murder case?
6: At this point, I believe that uh, he committed the offense, yes.
4: Okay, you believe he committed the offense?
6: Correct.
0: Why do you continue conversing with him?
6: To gather more intelligence, more uh, evidence.
0: Officer Duran tells Leon that Megan may not come back alive. Leon stresses that it can't come back to him.
4: Okay, you talk to him and you say, look, I want to be frank with you. She may not come back alive. Why do you say that?
6: I said that because at this point, uh, in my belief, the like, investigation has been made already. The case—he's already committed the offense uh, where he solicited me for for murder. So I could be a little bit more frank now, and I wanted to see uh, his response.
4: And does he respond after you tell him like, "Look, I don't think she, I don't know that she's going to be able to come back alive"? just to say, "I understand, but it just can't come back to me"? Yes, he did. So for him, he understood option C was on the table.
8: Correct.
0: Leon later in the conversation again says he would prefer it not to happen, though.
9: But does he follow it up
4: with, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, he did. Okay, and, and how, how was he saying that when he said it to you?
6: I believe he was saying it, well, exactly what he said. I prefer not to happen, but um, if you have to, do it.
0: Leon also brings up Valerie's ex-husband, Mac, and says he needs to go.
4: Does at some point in this portion of the conversation, does he turn to Valerie's ex-husband? He did. And does he tell you he needs to go? Yes, ma'am. He's a fucking piece of shit. He raped her. He's trying to cause problems for us with this problem I have. He's been threatening her nonstop. You need to take care of that. Yes, ma'am. He said that.
6: Yes, I believe he also added that he doesn't care what happens to him.
0: Leon tells Officer Duran that Mac was trying to use the situation Leon was going through with Megan to further abuse Valerie. Officer Duran then talks to Valerie in private. Afterwards, Leon agrees to pay him $2,500 a week for four weeks.
4: So is the defendant agreeing to pay you for the murder of Mac McDaniel? Yes, he is. And does he indicate he's gonna do so by paying you in installments?
6: He does.
0: Later that evening, Officer Duran got a phone call from Leon, who told him that Mac won't give Valerie's daughter back, and that Valerie just called the cops. She's not going to talk, right? Officer Duran asks. Hell no, Leon says. We just want this taken care of. Leon tells him they will have the daughter tonight. You'll have her tonight? Yeah, my mom involved. It'll be fine.
6: Okay. Um, If... If you can have him tonight, if you can have the kid tonight, this way she won't be in the way, and I can get him out of the picture uh, real quick. Whatever you got to do, and situation, we'll deal with the whole day Okay, let me. Um, okay, let I mean, me. I want that taken care of ASAP too. This has got to be fucking fit No, no, we'll, we'll take care of it. Piece of shit. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I can tell, obviously. Um, okay, we, I'll talk to uh, Zach. At, at, least, uh, at least you start, I will need the $2,500 payment.
0: Leon says as far as the girl goes, he would prefer her not to be hurt. Leon also tells him that he's using a burner phone, and that as soon as it's done, Officer Duran should give him his burner phone, and he'll put them in the sharps container at Valerie's clinic which is the container hospitals use to incinerate their needles. They will be gone forever, he says, melted down into nothing. He then starts talking about Mac again, calling him a piece of shit. He says Mac had multiple girlfriends that he had put up in apartments while he and Valerie were together. He says he even raped Valerie twice. That's just not fucking right. You don't do that to women, he says. Officer Duran told the court that on the following day, they staged the photo shoot with Megan and Mac. He said he and Leon spoke several more times, including during the photo shoot. On that call, Officer Duran asks him about when he's going to get paid. Leon tells him that they have already given Zach about $30,000 plus a bunch of collateral and that they haven't seen anything yet. Nothing has been done with either of these things at all, he says. Officer Duran tells him that he has good news about the guy and that he'd like to meet to tell him in person. Leon is angry.
6: I'd rather not, I'd rather meet in person. Um, if that's okay with you. Uh, that's fine, but the original problem was her. She's still the biggest problem, and nothing's been done with that at all. Mar- I can tell you that there's stuff in motion right now. Uh, that's probably all I want to say at this moment. Just, but just trust me on this, okay? We know what the problem is, and I know who it is. Uh, we what, what, what understand. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Leon, it's, we need to meet in person, not on the phone. Yeah. Uh, well, I- Worried about being in person stuff because I worried about that I'm being set up to get fucked here too. But I, you know, I gotta trust you guys. Uh, okay, well, you need to understand from my side, I'm worried about being fucked over the phone. That's how people get caught on the yeah. phone. I, I understand. Yeah, if we do it in person, it's person, it's just you and I. Uh, right. Do you have our address? No.
0: Leon gives him the address to Valerie's condo. He tells him to call him when he's there so he can come down and get him. He doesn't want him to sign in. Officer Duran went to the condo and told Leon and Valerie that Mac was dead. He tells Leon that by tomorrow, they can have Megan done too. Leon tells him she's probably at her apartment by now. Officer Duran says they know where she is, that they're watching her. She's not with any men, is she? Leon asks. Officer Duran tells him no. Officer Duran testified that he tried giving Leon an out then, but that Leon didn't take it. Instead, Leon said, the problem is if you hurt her, they're going to come after me. Officer Duran then tells him that he can make it so her body won't be found. Leon again says he would prefer for her not to be hurt. He just wants her to leave. I understand that you don't want her hurt, but I can't make any guarantees, Duran says.
6: I understand. I mean, you make that very clear. And I I talked it over with our friend, but I told him the same thing that I've told you. I know you don't want her hurt, but I cannot guarantee that 100%.
0: Officer Duran testified that as he was leaving the condo, Leon called out to him, don't forget the money. On the table was $1,800 in cash, covered up by a white hand towel. Officer Duran said he counted the money as Leon watched. Later that night, he called Leon and asked if he had received a photo he had sent to him of Megan bound and gagged. When Leon sees the photo, his response is, yeah, that's her. Officer Duran tells him he now needs his expertise
5: we have a
6: uh, a location it's uh it's a house uh old house secure location that uh, we have we have a connection with problem? uh we need your uh, your expertise you say Well, i don't have access to it until now okay uh do you want me to take care of her myself Uh, you should see how how Megan is acting. She's, uh, yeah, she's not very cooperative. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, if you're, I mean, if you can't show up with that stuff, I'm just gonna have to uh, put a bullet in her, in her myself.
0: He tells him Megan isn't cooperating and says it's his choice whether he wants to come and meet up with them. If not, he says he will have to kill her himself. Leon says he doesn't want her hurt, but that she's going to go to the cops.
6: Yeah. yeah, I'm here. Do you you want me to send you the address? You yeah, think I can calm her down or not? Uh, you could try if you want, uh, but we need to be prepared for whatever. What exactly did she say to you when you, when you told her she needed to leave? She said... I mean, in, in so many words, it was
7: just something in line that I don't give a fuck anymore at this point. Uh, you
6: know, I'm willing to do what I need to do to make sure that this motherfucker doesn't get away with what he's done. Now, the only, you know, like I said, the only problem with her, she's, yeah, you know, she was kicking, she was screaming, she was fighting. Of course, she's crying. But, I mean, at this point, I, I'm getting to the point where I don't want to deal with this. Too much. If I got to put a bullet in her head and end her right now, I will. Unless you want to come down and inject her or you want to come talk to her. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have access to that stuff right now? No, I don't. It's too
1: late. Um, you yeah, I should talk to
6: her. I don't know if talking is going to do much help at this point.
0: Does she understand what's going to happen to her if she doesn't fucking leave, Leon asks? I'm pretty sure she knows I'm not fucking playing with her, Officer Duran responds. He tells Leon that he will keep trying to talk to her and will call him back. They then talk again, and Officer Duran tells him he's tried everything.
6: She is pretty hysterical right now. She's crying and all that shit. But I I, I need an answer. (laughs) Let her go. she's gotta go talk. Okay. That's. I don't crazy. know. I mean, I don't know if she will or she won't. I mean, if you told her that she needs. She's got a decision to make right now. Copy. Tell her she's got a decision to make right now. She either acts her shit up and goes, or you're to Would you like? Would you like me to try that again? Yeah. Now watch you call before you do anything. Copy that.
0: A few minutes later, Officer Duran calls him and asks if he can check to see if he got an email from Megan's account. Officer Duran told the court that he had worked with Megan and told her what to send to Leon. The email said she loves him and wants him back. Then Officer Duran tells Leon that they're still talking to Megan, but that they had to hurt her a little by tightening up her zip ties. He tells Leon that she was calming down a little. Leon says he's worried it's going to come back to bite him. Officer Duran tells him he will take care of it and to not worry about it. But don't go to sleep, he says. At 1240 a.m., he calls Leon again and tells him that Megan had to be killed.
6: Okay, man, uh, I just wanted to let you know that there's there's no reason we heard uh yeah. Too, you know, there's no reason with her. she's saying the same thing. She said the same thing over and over again. Uh, you know, put too much risk on on us, and uh, she doesn't care uh, about leaving. Uh, that's pretty much it, man. She's uh, she's dead. She's gone. So. Uh, what we'll she's take... just like? She's just like oh. And so many words. Yeah. She's yeah. She's dead. Yeah, so we'll get, uh, I know you have concerns about the body and everything, we'll take care of the body, okay? Okay, just, uh, okay, Uh, I guess I'll hand you my phone over tomorrow or something, or leave it somewhere for you. Yeah, Um, okay. Yeah, just not quite yet. This is the only way I have to communicate with you, okay? That's fine. I um, mean, come back. Absolutely nothing. I'm taking care of everything as we speak right now.
0: Officer Duran testified that he asked Leon to come to the location, but he didn't. During this call, he said officers were back at the police department, typing up a warrant for his arrest. Now, the two victims in this case are thankfully still alive, and both testified about their ordeals when they learned that their exes wanted to have them killed, or at the very least, hurt. Megan Varakis testified that after Houston police officers notified her about what was going on, she was very concerned for her safety. She went to Pittsburgh the next day and didn't come back for two weeks. When she did come back, she met with investigators again and then took those staged photos, making it look like she had been kidnapped.
3: Um, I sat in a chair in a warehouse and um, they zip tied my hands and my feet um, and put duct tape around my mouth to um, make me look as if I had been kidnapped. Um, I had sat in that parking lot for an extended period of time, so I was crying and really upset.
0: The photos she took were admitted into evidence. Afterwards, investigators took her to a hotel. Officer Duran gave her instructions to send an email to Leon saying, I love you, I want to get back together. She said Leon never responded. The next morning, she learned he had been arrested. Mac McDaniel testified that he too was upset when he heard that Valerie and Leon were trying to have him killed. He said he and Valerie had been married for 17 years and divorced in 2016. He said they shared custody of their daughter. He became aware that Leon Jacob moved in with Valerie. He learned that Leon had been charged with assaulting a family member and stalking, and so he didn't want him around their daughter. He testified that he told Valerie he didn't want their daughter around Leon and she agreed. But at some point, he found out that she wasn't abiding by their agreement. His daughter mentioned Leon and it concerned him. He told Valerie again he didn't want their daughter around him. The next day, he got a visit from two Houston police officers. He said he was beyond upset. Uh,
4: What was your reaction?
9: I told Sergeant Quinn that if they would have been successful, Natalie would have not had any parents.
4: And that thought upset you?
9: Unimaginable.
4: Did they make you concerned for your safety?
9: Of course, but my first thought was my daughter.
0: He said it was unimaginable having to stage his own death. Afterwards, he went to a hotel. He was advised to turn his phone off and to stay there until he was contacted. Then, around 1.30 in the morning, he was told he could go pick up his daughter from Valerie's condo. He said they didn't say anything to each other as custody was exchanged. When it was Leon's turn to present his defense, They called his mother, Golda Jacob, to the stand. Golda testified that she was an attorney in family law and that she had actually represented Valerie in her divorce case. She said Valerie was her next door neighbor too. When asked about how Valerie felt about her ex-husband, Mac, she said Valerie hated him and wished he was dead. Leon's attorney asked whether Valerie had ever mentioned anything about taking a contract out on his life. Golda said yes. Leon's attorney then passed the witness to the prosecution.
2: So you're telling me that during representation of Valerie McDaniel, she spoke to you about taking a contract out on her husband's life? Yes, sir. And don't you have an obligation as a lawyer to report that? I didn't take it seriously. You didn't take it seriously? No, sir. Okay, so you knew why you were coming to court today to testify about that statement, correct? Yes. Well, no, not really. But you're telling the jury now that you did not take that statement seriously? I did not. You never reported that, correct? I never reported it.
0: Golda admitted that Leon was very upset after Megan left him and that he wanted to try and talk her into coming back. Prosecutor Callaghan asked whether Leon was harassing Megan, and she said she couldn't be sure. He then showed her text messages she had sent to him, saying, texting and calling is harassment. She agreed that at the time, he was. The defense then called Leon Jacob to the stand. Leon told the court that Megan had been withdrawing money from their joint checking account without his knowledge. He said that's what the argument was about in January 2017. He said Megan left that evening, but left all of her belongings there. He moved out four days later. As for the allegations of soliciting murder, Leon said he did have conversations with the undercover officer and that he had no idea he was being recorded. He was asked what the purpose of that first meeting was.
8: It was to It was to finalize some plans that I had had with... Um, Somebody I thought to be a private investigator um, who we called Zach or Abraham, uh, who has been identified in court here as um, Motez Aziz.
0: The next time he saw the officer, he said, was the next day at Valerie's condo. He was asked if money was exchanged at that time.
8: I was under the impression that he needed money for expenses and he wanted a um, advance on what we had agreed to pay him for some services.
9: And what were the services that you agreed to pay him
8: for? I'm not 100%. At the time, I was not 100% of what those services were because Valerie had made that negotiation with him.
0: He said he hadn't participated in the conversation between Valerie and Officer Duran and didn't know what they had talked about. He said he had left the table at that point. He testified that he never asked for Megan or Mac to be killed.
8: I never asked anybody to kill anybody. Um, Does the word kill,
9: hurt, harm in any way, shape, or form appear in any of those recorded conversations?
8: Not on my behalf. I'm sorry? Except for to exclude them from things I want done. I never asked to have anybody hurt Killed, harmed, um, kidnapped. I never asked for anybody to be in any way physically hurt.
9: Did you pay money at all for this purpose?
8: No. All right. well, there was no purpose for me to pay money towards anybody being hurt because I never asked for that.
0: He said the money Officer Durand got was from Valerie. He admitted that he had given money to Zach earlier, but said most of it was supposed to go to Megan for her moving expenses.
8: Uh,
9: What was the purpose of giving the money to the undercover officer, as far as Megan's concerned?
8: It had nothing to do with Megan um, at all. All
9: Who did it have to deal with?
8: It had to do with an advance payment on what Valerie and the undercover officer had agreed upon, because of expenses that he needed to hotel and whatnot. in for the time that he was there, he had explained to me that... Um,
4: well, object? Going into your
8: it had
9: nothing to do with monies to Megan for her expenses to leave, correct?
8: No, that had been paid um, previously to Aziz.
9: And how much money was paid to
8: Aziz? He was given um, initially a $2,500 payment for the initial investigation that I had hired him to do. Um, He was given an additional $5,000 for continued expenses during that investigation. He was given a little over $5,000 for a moving company receipt that he had showed me um, that arranged for Megan's stuff to be moved um, back to Pittsburgh He had given me a receipt for a Continental Airlines ticket, first class one way that was a little over 700 and change. I gave him $1,000 for that. And then he had told me that he thought it was appropriate to give Megan some money to restart her life in Pittsburgh. And I asked him how much. Um, And the sum of $10,000 in cash was um, agreed upon, which he received.
0: He said he had initially given Zach money to find Megan because he was worried about her. That seemed to work. Zach told him he knew where she was and he was under the impression that Zach was in contact with her on a semi-regular basis. Leon testified that he and Officer Duran had multiple conversations about not hurting Megan. He said he has read through all of the transcripts and that he never said anything about killing, hurting, or harming her.
8: In fact, um, 177 times during these these conversations, do I say the words, I don't want to harm or hurt or kill anybody.
0: Leon also testified that at some point when meeting with Officer Duran, he showed him a gun, which made him fearful. He said that's why he made up lies about having performed medical services at Guantanamo Bay. He said he was just trying to bolster his appearance. He told the jury that he's not guilty of solicitation of murder. On cross-examination, prosecutor Samantha Connect pointed out that he had begun sleeping with Valerie just seven days after he and Megan broke up.
4: So when you tell the members of this jury that your heart's sick over Megan, that's not really true, is it? Because it sure didn't take you long to move on, did it?
8: Matters of the heart and how you feel are so big to the way you feel at a moment. I mean, you're asking me to, to get up here and s- say that I'm some womanizer. That's fine. You can characterize me as that. It doesn't make me guilty of solicitation of capital murder. I have no problem sitting here and saying that I slept with Valerie seven days after Megan and I broke up. But I'm not on trial for being a womanizer. I'm on trial for solicitation of capital murder. So you can assassinate my character all you want up here. It doesn't make me guilty of what you charged me with.
4: Okay. I appreciate that, Mr. Jacob, but my question was, um, isn't it true that just seven days after you and Megan broke up that you were sleeping with Valerie McDaniel? I think he is.
8: Absolutely.
0: Prosecutor Connect asked him about the Olive Garden meeting when he asked Officer Duran if he was a cop.
4: When you step outside and you begin speaking with Officer Duran, you'd agree with me that we hear you on the video ask him, are you a cop? I did. You were concerned whether or not he was a police officer, weren't you? Probably. Well, concerned enough to ask him a question, right?
8: Yes.
0: Prosecutor Connect challenged him on how he testified that he didn't know what Valerie and Officer Duran had talked about. Now, before I play this clip, just a reminder that Officer Duran's first name is Javier. And the prosecutor switches back and forth between calling him his first name and his last name.
4: While you're at Olive Garden, you mentioned that Um, Valerie has a conversation with Javier, and you know know nothing about what was said, right?
8: No, I do not. I did not at the time. I know now.
4: Well, you knew then, too, didn't you? No. Well, because do you recall coming back to the table at the Olive Garden and Javier telling you she wants her ex-husband dead?
8: I don't really recall that. He may have said it, but I don't remember...
4: Do you recall Javier saying to you, so she's decided that she wants her ex to be gone?
8: I, I think he did say something out of effect, but he didn't use the word dead or killed.
4: That was my question. Do you recall Javier saying, so she's decided that she wants her ex to be gone?
8: I think if that's what you said, it said on the tape, and that's what it said.
4: Okay. And then your response was, I got it. If you say so. And then when just a few sentences later, you're statement to Javier is, I can give you $2,500 a week for four weeks. That's probably the best and the easiest. Do you remember saying that, Mr. Jacob?
8: Something to that effect, yes.
4: So to tell the members of this jury that you didn't know what agreement Valerie and Javier had come up with, that's not exactly true, is it?
8: I knew about the agreement for the money, of course.
4: And what it was for, too.
8: I just told you I didn't know what it was for.
4: Well, do you recall that undercover officer trying to clarify what kind of car Matt drove? I do. And you clarified for him?
8: I don't think I clarified for him. I think she did.
4: Do you recall Valerie saying a Land Cruiser and Javier saying a Land Cruiser, and then you say, is that what type he's got?
8: Well, I think that your question would then actually depict a situation where I didn't know what kind of car he drove.
4: Were you clarifying what kind of car that Mac McDaniel drove?
8: To myself, yes.
4: Okay. And do you recall right after that? Javier saying a brand new Land Cruiser, carjack him, put a billet in his head, throw him on the street and make sure he's gone. Make sure he's dead for sure and then park his truck in one of those apartment complexes. You know, one of those shitty apartment complexes. When can I get the first payment? Do you recall Javier saying that to you?
8: Yeah, the Olive Garden? Yes, sir. If you said that's what he said on a tape, that's what he said.
4: That's what he said. And in direct response to that, you say, I can give you $2,500 a week for four weeks. That's probably the best and easiest. And that's right? the
8: chronological order it happened in. Right? If you say it's the chronological order it happened in, then I have to say yes.
4: Okay. So you're agreeing to give him $2,500 just after he tells you, I'm going to put a bullet in his head and throw him on the street.
8: that's what you say.
4: Well, that's in the recording. It's not what I say. It's what Javier and you said, right?
8: I guess.
0: She then pointed out that although he said he never asked for anyone to be hurt or kidnapped, he told Officer Duran to snatch Megan, put her in a room, and tell her he's going to kill her parents.
4: But that's not true, right? Because you told Javier, snatch her, Put her in a room and tell her if she doesn't fucking leave, I'm gonna kill her parents, right?
8: If that's what you say, I said.
4: Did you say it, Mr. Jacob? Sure. Did you say it?
8: Yes, I guess if that's what the tapes say.
4: And when you say snatch her, that's kidnapping, right?
8: If that's what you want to define it as.
4: Well, how else would you define snatch?
8: i don't know i left it up to him how to do that stuff
4: that's certainly not her willing to go with you right
8: we were just talking about stuff at the time i left the discretion up to him how he wanted to handle the situation i think that if you ask me what my mindset was i was just having a conversation about possible scenarios i wasn't giving him any directions
4: so when you're telling him snatch her and put her in a hotel room, you're not giving him any directions.
8: I I think I put it is so what are you going to do? It was a question actually that I asked him.
4: No, actually the statement you made was snatch her, put her in a room, and if she doesn't fucking leave, tell her you're going to kill her parents.
8: I think I posed it as a question to him.
4: Does that sound like directions to you?
8: If it's posed in a question, I don't think it's directions.
0: What what kind of question is that? I don't know. Then she asked him about how he suggested injecting Megan with potassium chloride.
4: Did you not want anybody hurt when you said, inject her with potassium chloride, stop her heart, untraceable?
8: I said that was something you could do. I didn't say that for him to do that.
4: You'd agree with me that if you injected someone with potassium chloride and stopped their heart, that it would hurt them? Yes. It would kill them? Yes. You knew that as a doctor? Yes. Um, what, did you recall telling the undercover officer, if those options don't work, I don't give a fuck, then you've got to do what you got to do because my survival is more
8: important? Yes.
4: You said that, right? I did. And you meant that, didn't you?
8: At the time, I don't know what I meant.
0: Leanne agreed that the charges against him were a hindrance to his career and that he was upset about them.
4: You're upset that a lower middle class girl from Pittsburgh had brought charges against you, weren't you?
0: That
8: nothing to do with where she's from.
4: Well, you mentioned it several times to the undercover officer, didn't you?
8: You're asking me two different questions.
4: No, I'm not. I'm asking you, did you mention to the undercover officer that Megan was a lower middle class girl from Pittsburgh?
8: That wasn't your question you asked me before. You asked me if I was upset that she ordered that characterization and she, she, she filed a protective order against me. So it's two questions. The first question was, it was I upset that she had a protective order against me? The answer is yes. Her upbringing had nothing to do with that whatsoever.
4: Her upbringing was an issue to you, wasn't
8: it? No, it wasn't, actually.
4: You felt like, how dare this lower, middle-class citizen bring charges against Dr. McDaniel or Dr. Jacob?
8: Not necessarily. I was more upset with her the fact that she lied to me about her education. She comes from a very, very nice family.
4: That's not what you told the undercover officer, is it?
8: I think I did at some point. I said that I like her family a lot.
4: You also told an undercover officer, these are just lower class middle girls from Pittsburgh. You said that, right?
8: About characterizing Megan and one of her friends.
0: right? Prosecutor Connect also brought up the photo of Megan that Officer Duran had sent to him and the conversation they had afterwards. She pointed out that at no time did he tell Officer Duran to stop. He agreed that he didn't. The jury spent a little over an hour deliberating Leon's fate before finding him guilty of two counts of solicitation of capital murder. At his sentencing, prosecutors played more recordings, this time of when Leon was in jail awaiting trial. In one, Leon tells his mom that Bradley Cooper should play him if a movie should ever be made about the case. In another, he tells his mom that he had been in talks with a reporter about her writing a screenplay or a book. He told his mom to look up the reporter, saying she's cute and that she looks like Valerie did when she was younger. Quote, she's really hot, actually. I know my wife's dead and I have to mourn her, but this one is cute. In another call, Leon's mom scolds him about getting himself into this mess and tells him that he doesn't know when to shut up. Prosecutors also called Megan back to the stand, along with Leon's ex wife, who testified about abuse she endured at his hands while they were married. She said he even kicked her in the stomach while she was pregnant and told her that he could kill her and no one would ever find her body. Megan also had something to say to Leon Quote, You manipulated me to leave my family and the life I had. I believe everything happens for a reason. While you sit in jail, I hope you think of me, a girl that you called poor and uneducated. It's because of me you will be in prison for life. The jury sentenced Leon to life in prison. He will be eligible for parole after 30 years. Leon's attorneys are currently appealing his case. Recently, they argued in front of a three-judge panel that the indictment against Leon was, in a sense, invalid. They said the indictments don't actually name Megan Varicus or Mac McDaniel, that they instead use initials. Quote, If M.M. stands for the complaining witness, it has to be shown. It could be Mickey Mouse. We don't know what it was because no one ever testified and there is no proof as to what it was. Prosecutors responded that trial testimony made it obvious who the initials stood for. No decision has been made as of this recording. And that's all for today's episode. As always, I'd love to know what you think about this case. Do you agree with the way the investigation was conducted? What did you think of Leon Jacobs' testimony? Do you think the jury made the right decision? Let me know by joining the conversation on Instagram. At Court Junkie by tweeting me at Court Junkie Pod or by emailing me at podcast at courtjunkie.com. And lastly, just a reminder about my holiday schedule. This is the last regular episode of the year. Court Junkie will be returning on January 6th, 2020. However, I will be releasing a bonus episode on Patreon as well as some additional content at the $10 level. To check all of that out, Just go to courtjunkie.com slash support, and that will take you to my Patreon page. Hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season, and thanks again for listening. Until next time.